0: My purpose this morning for uh, being here was to fill in for D. Ray, but my purpose for my message is to try and just lay down a foundational understanding, if you will, about missions here in this location, and perhaps even challenge you to a better understanding of your role in the mission of this church and the mission of the church. See, the church in America right now is currently facing a uh, major challenge, and you know this, and. Namely, how do we present a timeless and a vital message to a culture that views the church and its message irrelevant? See, we're all aware that the cultural landscape of America is changing rapidly. Maps are gone; they've been exchanged for GPS. Texting is now replaced calling the pe- you know picking the phone up and calling somebody. And shopping happens from home, 24 hours a day. You can do it on your phone. You don't even have to be on your computer. That's changed. You don't have to go to the brick-and-mortar store anymore, and streaming entertainment has forever changed. TV. TV is sporting events. And Remember when we just had three TV channels? I mean, some of you are old enough to remember that, and now we got hundreds of channels and hundreds of opportunities, and 55% of households today do not have a landline phone, and that number goes up every year. And I, I was joking with the first service. I Remember when the phone was attached to the wall? You didn't just walk around and talk to people. You know, it's changed. Times have changed. It's a different day. Our culture has changed. And while culture has rapidly changed, many churches and their members are still focused on a day that no longer exists. Our culture is no longer automatically propping up and accepting the message of the church. And that we're no longer the dominant player. It used to be the church was the hub of all activities. And now we're lucky if it's a piece of the pie for all people. No longer do the classic Christian values dominate the way Americans believe and behave. And even our best attempts as churches to be current and to be relevant when we tried like, you know, better music, better preaching, a better building, better programs, better everything drove church growth for a long time. But that ended about 20 years ago. And if we're honest, all we were doing during that time frame is swapping church members. People became consumers of worship or consumers of programs, and they'd switch churches in a heartbeat. First today, before I go into this, what I want to do is help you to understand the gospel message is needed more than ever now. We're at a time in our country, in our lives, where people need to hear the gospel message. But first, I'm making a couple of assumptions with you. Now, the first service was really great. They passed the test. So here we go. I'm making two assumptions that you agree, or at least have heard, that we're to be on mission. So I'm assuming that we all know of the need for missions and our personal role. Matthew 28, Jesus is about to be off the scene, remember? And he says that we have all been commanded to be on mission in the verses 18, 19, and 20, when he said, all authority, all in scripture, it's 100%. I was in pre-law, and the word all means 100%. So. When you use the word all, by all authority that God has on heaven and earth, we have been given this, therefore, go and make disciples. The go in the Greek means as you are going. And so Jesus gave the disciples then, I believe today, you and I each as Christians, a mission. And then in Acts 1.8, we're told where we're to go. It says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will receive my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what they're saying is, in this passage, is that we're to take that mission to Olathe, to Johnson County, to Kansas, to North America, to the ends of the earth. That you and I were the plan that God created. That's our purpose in life, is to take that mission, that gospel message, and be after it. But let's now take an honest look here at the... uh, present status of the church. See, I'm referring to the church, the global evangelical church, as I'm speaking. I'm not going to beat you up quite yet, and I'm in this together with you, okay? North America, let's start there. Researchers have found that the proportion of atheists and agnostics increases with each younger generation. We're not passing our faith on to the next generation. I personally believe we're in about our third generation of unchurched people. The number of Americans who do not identify with any religious uh, religion continues to grow at a rapid pace. So as the population is going up, the number of Christians is going down in North America. And of the 388,000 churches in America, 345,000, they tell us, 80% or better, are plateaued or in decline. They're not reaching people. Well, let's narrow the scope just a little. Let's go Southern Baptist, pick on us. We close approximately 1,000 churches every year. And we're one of the most stable denominations in America, so think about that. Our baptisms are sliding each year. If you saw the graph, baptisms for Southern Baptists is trending this direction. It's going down. So there are more lost people in America, and we're baptizing less. Well, let's go a little closer to home. Let's go to Johnson County. See, when I became director of mission 16 years ago, 61% of Johnson County residents were unchurched. Now that number is 71% unchurched. And of the five counties that I work with, that's the best one. Wyandotte, Leavenworth, Miami, and Lynn counties are over 80% unchurched. When I say unchurched, what I'm saying is the people out there outside this building today that are unchurched, if you ask them what what, uh, church do you go to, well, we don't really go to church. Well, what faith? What denomination? Well, mom was Methodist, dad was Catholic, but we never went. That's the kind of answers that you get when I talk about unchurched. They're not affiliated with any church. See, God has us on mission, but from these facts, how would you say we're doing? It's not a good evaluation, is it? From North America to Southern Baptist to Johnson County. Our methods for achieving the mission, then, is where I want to start, and I want to look at our methods, and then I want to look at our role, what you and I and this church should be doing to turn this around. If you would, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23, and this is a letter to the church at Corinth that Paul has written. I'll give you the context of this passage before we read it, but Paul was a church planting machine. He planted somewhere around 14 churches that we know of and he was one of the greatest missionaries ever to live. No one except Jesus himself probably shaped the early church and Christianity as much as Paul did. Now, he had started this church at Corinth, and now he's in Ephesus, and he's hearing that there's problems in the church. And in fact, it becomes dysfunctional based on what he's hearing. From all reports, it's not effective, and so Corinth, this church needs to be addressed. It's lost its focus. Corinth now where the church is located is a sensory, sensual, rich and immoral city. It's out of control, it's all about there's no self-control and anything goes. And now the culture is impacting the church more than the church is impacting the culture and Paul wants to address that but does that sound familiar? The culture that he's trying to address with his churches and ministry? Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 gives us a reason why he's writing this. He says, The purpose, he writes from his heart and he's addressing the issues in the church and he's trying to refocus the people and the church on the gospel message and their mission of reaching the lost. So in our passage, listen as he tells us how he personally has reached the lost. He tries to give himself as an example and the zeal that he has to encourage them and to challenge them, get refocused, be about the mission. Now let's look at our passage. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23. Though I am free... And belong to no man. I make myself a slave to everyone. To win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew. To win the Jews. To those under the law. I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law. I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law. But am under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. And I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. See, Paul had grown up a Jew, and it's important to understand his background. He followed Jewish customs. That was the culture that he was used to. He learned from the very best Jewish teachers. He was associated with other Jews often, and that's really all that he associated with. He's very comfortable with the Jewish culture. You may remember he was also Saul before he became Paul. Think about Acts chapter 8. And there is the stoning of Stephen recorded there, and and Saul is standing off to the side encouraging and laughing and saying, yeah, go ahead. But then in chapter 9, Acts, Saul becomes who we know as Paul. And all of a sudden, God called Paul to be on mission because he had this encounter with God and the Lord. And now he's telling him, you go spread the gospel message. What's interesting is Paul took the same zeal that he had for persecuting Christians. And he applied it to now preaching the gospel message to the lost. That's the encouragement I want us to see today. See, Paul was concerned about the lost. He changed from persecuting them to all of a sudden sharing the gospel with them. It's interesting. God sent him, though, to the Gentiles. And we just learned he was a Jew of a Jew. He was, that was his culture. And God sent him primarily to the Gentiles. So Paul had to learn to connect with the cultures that were different, radically different, than what he was used to. And he took seriously the command to go. And so, therefore, he didn't just play it safe and hang out with church people. He didn't just go out and hang out with lost people and just blend in. No, he made friends with the lost, and he shared the gospel message with them. See, Paul was concerned that those in the church had accepted the gospel message, but now they're living more like Corinthians than they are like Christians. That'd be like me saying, I'm concerned that we're living more like Johnson Countyans than we are like Christians. Understand this. Paul accepted the God-given mission and had a zeal for it. The same mission that you and I have been given. Paul tells us in this passage, he said he has learned to connect with the changing cultures. He's, he's learned to connect with changing cultures that God called him to reach. God placed him in these different cultures. You know, I think about the different cultures I've been experienced, uh, been experienced to and been through in my life. Competitive swim meets growing up, travel baseball teams, college National sales company, I worked for Carnation for a number of years, professional rodeo, high school wrestling team parents sitting in the bleachers all day Saturday. Johnson County, that's a culture. We live in Leewood, Trust me, that's got its own culture. And then there's others. All have different cultures And like Paul, I think we today need to be students of the culture around us, the mission field that God has placed you in. Think about your different cultures, your mission field, and where God has you. Think about the people that you're surrounded by every day. The only way you and I are going to be able to relate to them is to get to know them and to share what God has done in your life and what he can do in theirs, and that's our mission. Now go back to our passage. How many cultures did Paul change and adapt to in this passage? He said, I became like the slave, became like the Jews, like those under the law, those not having the law, and the weak. In fact, he was saying, I'll do all that is possible to change my methods so that I might save some. Paul was open to changing his methods, but he never changed the gospel message. So what was Paul's purpose in adapting his methods? He tells us six times here, so as to win. See, Paul had a whatever-it-takes mentality. Paul is focused on the mission. If you were to read through the book of Acts, which gives us some more information about Paul, you'd find that he's familiar with all the customs and the practices of the various cultures, and he made himself become educated on that. Paul was careful to point out that even though he's familiar with these cultures around him, that didn't mean he imitated them or he became like them necessarily. For example, when he says that he became like one under the law, what he was saying is he's very careful to point out that didn't mean that he became lawless. In other words, you got to know him, you built a relationship with him, but he didn't do what they were doing. So for us today, we have to realize, you know, it's kind of difficult sometimes to associate with lost people, to find an appropriate avenue to be around somebody with an ungodly lifestyle. And so we have to be intentional in our efforts if we're to be on mission. So I'll tell you this, that getting them into this building is not the most effective method. Inviting people to church is down the list somewhere now. A missional lifestyle, being on mission for Christ, when it comes to reaching people, is the way we're gonna reach our culture today. Now, Derek would kill me if I I were to say, he'd be frustrated if I were to say, don't invite people to church. That's not what I just said. You have to be intentional about opportunities to to, uh, be around, lost people, and enter into discussions with them. You know, for, um, we moved here in 1980 from uh, Wichita, and I've gone to the same barber for about 30 years I think it was. And At one point, my wife, Deva, uh, went to one of these hair salons and, and brought me along, and so I had them trim my hair up, there were two of them that needed to be trimmed. <laughs> and Ever since then, I've gone there. Now, they still charge me the same amount, but anyway. What I found was when I went to my barber who was an elder who spoke and preached often in his church and knew the church work and what we did was very similar that we sat there and discussed that and discussed that and discussed that and now as I go every eight or nine months I get a different barber, different person and I hear their story and I build a relationship with them for that period of time. I went in this week and she's just recently divorced. God will bring opportunities to you if you'll go build relationships with them. Jesus said go. He didn't say come. Don't get me wrong, Hebrews 10, 25, when it states to uh, not forsake the assembling of yourselves, in the full context of that passage in that verse, the Hebrew writer is saying, when you come to church, grow closer together. Figure out ways to encourage each other and to love each other and to go do good works in the name of Christ so that no one walks away from Christ. Don't turn your back on the church body. See, the church is where we Christians get recharged for the mission. That's our purpose for being here. Is to get ready to go back out into the mission field. So we we'll see this. Paul was out in the community. He's meeting people. He's building relationships. He's loving people. That's the way he did it. And Paul didn't just talk about evangelism. He actually left the church each week. He changed himself, not his beliefs, but he changed himself and adapted to those around him in order to save people. In fact, in this letter to the church at Corinth, Paul in chapter 6, if you flip over there, you'd find that he reminds them, some of them were lost and they were wicked at one time. Here's what he says. Neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says this, and that's what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And so Paul has just told us, I know the makeup of this church. I led them to Christ. I built relationships with them, he said, and I led them to Christ and brought them to the church. The reason Paul knew is he was the one that shared the gospel message with them because he took the mission serious. Now go back to our focal passage in chapter 9. See, he's encouraging, he's challenging this church, you and I as well, I believe, to be on mission, to have a, whatever it takes to reach the lost mentality. Soccer moms, softball parents, elementary school, PTO, and neighborhoods, your cul-de-sac where you work, where you go to school, those are your cultures, those are your mission fields. When you leave the church today, you are on mission. This Blue Valley Ridgeview campus, nice as it is, it's a facility, it's a location. It cannot go. It's stuck. It's here. Therefore, we the people in the facility are the church. We are the body of Christ, and we're to be on mission. That's who the go was referring to. Go, and as you are going, make disciples. So what is our role then as church members in the mission? Well, Reggie McNeil stated in his book, and I love the book, but the present future, which was written about 20 years ago, he said this, We used to believe, and some still do, if you build the perfect church, they will come. People believe that growing your church automatically makes a difference in the community. And that developing better church members will mean better evangelism. And then he goes on. But time has failed to produce the evidence of these claims. That was 20 years ago. See, just making improvements to our buildings and our programs is not efficient not as efficient or effective as it used to be. Yes, we want excellence. We want excellence in our programs. We want excellence in the presentation of this building and the landscaping and the paint. And Yes, we want all that, but I'm here to tell you that's not what will bring people in. 12,000 cars drive by your location every day, almost 13,000. They have no clue why we're here today, don't know what we're doing in here. See, if coming to Christ means coming to the church at a set time, you need a new strategy. In fact, churches that only think Sunday and only think building will continue to shrink. What we need today is a missional lifestyle where every Christian is on mission for the gospel message. Right now, the church in America has a PR problem, and the gospel message is not being spread because the communication system, you and I, were failing. We, you and I, are the solution that god has provided and he's counting on us see we're to be on mission that's our purpose for living that's why we're here that's not working I mentioned earlier how things have changed i don't know about you remember going on vacation remember these <laughs> dad would pull it out of the glove box and mom would read it and it wasn't long that we weren't totally lost and then it was like, okay, I got it, I got it. And then they had to fold it back up, hopefully, and get it back in the glove box. The map companies said, we got a problem. We need to improve our product because that's the problem. So what they do? Well, then the map companies, and hopefully I'll get that back together before we go home. The map companies go out, and so they said, we're going to make it easier to read. So they bigger print. And then they said, we're going to make it easier to fold up, and so they made it easier to fold and. And then they they looked at it and they said, well, we probably need to draw where you're going, and so we're going to laminate it so you can draw and you can trace the route that you want to take. See, the map companies thought they just needed to make improvements. They're solving the problem with that, and what they didn't realize is the culture's changed. Technology changed the whole ballgame for them and their, their product. People now prefer someone to talk to them, someone to show them the way, so we have GPS. Just improving the church will not result in reaching the lost. That methodology is not as effective anymore. You see, folks, people outside the church think church is for people that are already here, not them. And if they won't come to us, then we have to go to them. Just as Paul did. See, they're they're not coming to this building. But if someone will talk to them and show them the way, they'll come. See, our role is to be the one showing them the way turn back to chapter 3 in 1 Corinthians, continue a little bit about Paul and what happens in this church. They had lost their focus, and so they're having conflict, and that happens in church today still. And so Paul writes to them, and he's trying to teach them that all of us have different gifts and spiritual gifts, so quit arguing about whose gift is best and why this one's better than that one and all this. And so he says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his labor. Now, Paul's just told us we all have a role in the mission of the church. Every one of us has a spiritual gift, and so we all have special gifts God gave us for the mission of his church. Stop fighting with each other, he's he's telling them. Accept each other. Focus on the mission. Accept everybody else's giftedness. They're going to do things a little different than you are. Accept that. Our role then is to use our gifts and accept the gifts of others to achieve the mission. In the middle of that passage there, he used this word, but. It's a key word. It's a little word. He says but. Now that's a contrasting word. Earlier we saw therefore which means you always look to see what's before the therefore, so you know why the therefore is therefore. Now the but, it is God who grows the church. It is God who grows the church. But the thought before that, the contrasting thought was, I got a gift, you got a gift, I water. Are you, doing? And he's explaining that. And then he goes, but don't take credit for growing the church because it's God who grows the church. See, we were called to be obedient. The results, the growth, is God's responsibility. That's what Paul is saying in our focal passage today. He said, I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I believe we're to go, to run as hard as we can, to make disciples, and then God's the one that will determine the growth of the kingdom. Sadly, in my job, what I see all the time is Christians and and churches today, we play at obedience And because we're so busy, we half-heartedly go, and our faithfulness, or our lack of, predetermines a lack of results for the kingdom. God can't bless us if we don't try. We allow our personal preferences and our choices to dictate our priorities and what we will do and how we will do it, and we completely lose focus on the mission we were given. Your purpose for life is found in that Matthew 28 and Acts 1 passages. Uh, listen to this. Sometimes we allow our personal, our personal desires to override what's best for the kingdom. Do you realize there are churches spend 95% of their budgets on church members? Think about that. When you first hear that statistic, you know, pastors and, and church consultants will beat you up with that. It shows that you're not out there doing stuff in the community. That's what they'll tell you. Well, okay, we, got, we, we need to pay our pastors. That's biblical. and We need to do things in excellence. I, I believe that. And everything. If it's going to take 95% of the church budget to do that and to, to buy the curriculum and the materials and the different things that we need to, to do church, then how are we going to be the church? See, let's look at this statistic from a different angle. I think that statistic that 95% of the budget is spent on church people, people that are already here. It shows the importance of each one of us being the outreach arm, the marketing tool, if you will, of the church for the gospel message. We're God's marketing plan for his message. We're to be on mission in our everyday lives. And so we save the church money. Let's look at it that way by being on mission and doing what we're called to do. Remember, the command was go. Nowhere does the Bible tell us to come and sit. We're to actively be involved in growing the church. We're actively to be involved in growing the kingdom. A sense of unity has to prevail. We must each be going in the same direction, pursuing the vision God has for the church. It's about, here's my expression, those not here yet. Those not in the kingdom of God is what the gospel message is all about. Rick Warren, in his purpose-driven book, he makes a statement in there that church members. He said, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about those not here yet. 1 Corinthians 3 here is telling us then that it's God who grows the church, and my responsibility is to be on mission for God. We need to get out of his way. If he's the one that's going to grow it, we need to do our part. Sometimes we get in the way, either intentionally or without realizing it, like choosing our personal preferences over the lost, or causing conflict or division in the church as happened as happened here in Corinth not using our gifts withholding our gifts anything that hinders the growth of the church you hinder God's work which I would suggest is called sin see Paul in this letter to the church at Corinth is trying to refocus them on the mission draw them back to their first love by his example he shares and shows us the gospel message is for everyone and that reaching out to the different cultures of what we should do, that methods must and will change with the culture, but our message will never change. When Jesus gave us the command to go and said that by all authority on heaven and earth, we need to accomplish the mission. See, we became at that point plan A. See, God's counting on us. We're the number one method to grow the kingdom. It's not paid staff. They're to equip us, remember, on Sunday mornings. To go and be on mission. If you're not intentionally building relationships with lost people and having spiritual talks with them and leading them to a relationship with God, you're not obeying the spirit of the command to go that we all agreed to earlier. Well, let me close with Paul. One final thought here. I, I like reading about Paul and his life. And at the end of book uh, of Acts, at the end of Acts. We see Paul, who's been through the ringer. I mean, he's had trials and tribulations that we've not faced. And just after being in prison for years and under house arrest, in chapter 28, verse 30, he says this. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to him. Now catch this in verse 31. Boldly. And without hindrance, he, reached the, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a shut-in. He can't go anymore. He's a shut-in, and yet he's still on mission. Boy, if that'd humble you. He didn't have the ability to just jump up and go out and run to Walmart. No, he, he's a shut-in, and he's still on mission, and as people come to visit him, he makes sure he shares the gospel message. You see, we lead hectic lives, Don't lose sight of the mission God's given you as you run through your life. Paul, even when he couldn't get out, was on mission. Today, I think Paul should be an example for us his zeal, his encouragement, his challenge to each of us. He's focused on the command to go and to tell others. He had a whatever it takes mentality when it comes to the lost. I wonder today do we? Do you? The world we live in is lost. But the cause is not. See, God is well aware of our circumstances and our changing culture, and He placed us here to ministry, He knows exactly where we are, and He put us here, and He can guide us in how to be the church and what we're supposed to do if we rely on Him. And I would suggest that kingdom thinking will challenge our church thinking, but kingdom focus will challenge our lifestyle. Many of the things we do in our church and in our lives are simply our own traditions our own personal preferences, and we need to let go of some of those. We need to focus on the priorities that God's given us, His mission, and take on a whatever-it-takes commitment so that we can win some, just as Paul said. We must so that we might win some. Let me close the word of prayer.